If you are looking to elevate your leadership and drive your nonprofit forward, I invite you to subscribe to the Successful Nonprofits newsletter. Every week, I curate exclusive shareworthy content that sparks inspiration, innovation, and conversation. From the latest trends to timeless advice, the weekly email newsletter is your all-access pass to a treasure trove of resources. But receiving the newsletter is not just about staying informed. It's also about getting our best content first. Subscribers get first access to our newest downloadable templates designed to propel your leadership and amplify your impact. And that's not all, my friend. We are constantly working on new ways to support you and your mission. So as a subscriber, you'll get updates on our latest projects, opportunities to participate in surveys, and a say in the topics that we tackle next. You will essentially get me as a consultant, coach, and confidant in your inbox, ready to help you navigate the challenges of nonprofit leadership. So if you're an executive director, board chair, or a nonprofit leader who believes in making a difference, join me as a newsletter subscriber. Visit SuccessfulNonprofits.com forward slash newsletter to sign up today. And now, friend, let me take you to the episode you've downloaded. Welcome to the Successful Nonprofits Podcast. I'm your host, Dolph Goldenberg. And today, we are going to be having an incredible conversation with Kristen Elworthy. We're going to be talking about positioning yourself as a media expert. Before we do, I just need to remind you that we are getting ready to launch our group coaching for executive directors on coaching for tough times. If you're an ED and you're concerned about your organization's welfare in 2021, you should absolutely join this coaching group. It starts in January. It is curriculum-based, and we are going to walk you through everything you need so that 2021 will be a great year. Keeping in mind that what we look at historically when we look at recessions, most nonprofits fare worse in year two of the recession than in year one. So head over to SuccessfulNonprofits.com and check out our Coaching for Tough Times. Now let me share with you just a little bit about our topic today. We're going to be talking about positioning yourself as a media expert. And as I was preparing for this conversation with Kristen, I thought back to my first time as an executive director. And I thought back to the media training that I got. And I need to share with you, it wasn't phenomenal training. Three board members independently took me aside and each gave me their media tips. And they said, if you just do this one thing, everything's going to turn out okay. The first piece of advice was, if it's on TV, always bring donuts to makeup because they're going to make you look great. And most listeners know I have a shaved head. I had a shaved head 20 years ago. And so they said to me, oh, yeah, your head is not going to shine because they're going to make you look really great. Always bring donuts. And I look back on that, and that is such an outdated idea. Think about all the different dietary requirements and preferences that you have. What if you brought donuts to someone who's a diabetic? They're not going to go, oh, well, they brought me donuts. I better make them look great, are they? The second piece of advice I got, this actually came from one of my board chairs, suggested that if I wanted to start over and it was pre-recorded, I should swear. Because then they'd say, okay, well, let's back this up and we're going to start over. Now, 
that was also probably really bad advice because you probably never want to be on tape as swearing. And then the third piece of advice I got was always call a reporter back quickly because they're on deadline. Have to share with you, that was probably the one keeper out of the three pieces of advice I got. Yeah, most reporters are on deadline. This is true, whether it's print or internet or TV. And so call them back quickly, prioritize it. Don't wait a day to call them back. So that's the training that I got. And I have to share with you, it was not really sufficient training to be a great spokesperson for my organization in the media. And I think that's not uncommon for most nonprofits. As an executive director, they don't really make sure you get great media training. And that's why we invited Kristen Elworthy on. And I adore the work that Kristen Elworthy is doing. She is absolutely incredible. She is the founder and CEO of Seven Hills Communication. They do brand communication, public relations, copywriting. But I've got to share with you that Kristen didn't learn this as a consultant. She learned it from the other side. She started her career as a beat reporter. And there is no one better to explain to you how to position yourself for the media than someone who has been the media, who has been that beat reporter, who understands what it means when someone has a good interview and someone doesn't. And so I am so excited that Kristen is joining us today. She is, without a doubt, one of the best thought leaders in marketing and publicity consulting today. So Kristen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me and for your kind words. I appreciate it. One of the things that really stood out for me on your website, I spent some time reading your blog before I was like, yeah, we got to invite Kristen on the podcast. One of the things that really stood out to me is your concept that the best media pitches are in the niches. Can you say a little bit about that? Sure. So I have to say that is your catchphrase that I might have to steal, but it is absolutely true. You know, I work with a lot of mission-based organizations and nonprofits. And so, you know, this really applies to anyone, whether they're they're a nonprofit or a for-profit, but figuring out exactly who your target audience is often will bring you some surprising insights. When I started out, literally everybody would tell me, I just want to be in the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal which is great. (laughs) You know, who doesn't? And I've worked with those publications and had clients featured there. But over the years, I've really learned that if we can drill down and think more about what your goal is for the media outreach you're doing and who you really need to be talking to, you might have some surprising results on that. So I'll give you a great example of a nonprofit I work with. They're sort of a B2B, um, they're not social services, but they work with large employers and big corporations on um, financial security issues. And they had in the same week, we had a quote in a longer story about retirement on the Wall Street Journal on the front page. And the same week, one of the leaders there wrote an op-ed for an HR trade on a similar topic. And the executive director sent me an email and he was like, these are great. I really love this (laughs) op-ed. And, you know, it was just, it was such an indication of how that dynamic plays out. He said, this speaks to just exactly the audience that we have. We got to say exactly what we wanted to say. You know, it's obviously longer as opposed to a short quote. You're just, you know, one guy in the Wall Street Journal in a long piece. That's how they operate. That's why they're so great. But in a trade, they really want your point of view. 
So this applies really to almost anything. If you're a local social services organization, it's fantastic to get stories in your regional papers or in your national outlets if you can fit in. But those hyper-local outlets, that's where your donors are living. That's where you need to figure out how to tell them what you're doing and what you need from them to succeed. So, you know, that's more general media niche. You know, even the local guys are like, well, it'd be great to be in the New York Times. It would, but I'm not sure that it's going to make a big difference to your donations per se, if you're in the New York Times. Um, I will say the one thing I, I always point out to people is if they get those hits, those big national hits, is PR is a two-sided street. So you have the kind of lead generation side, I'll call it, I know that's not a, a super nonprofit word, but that inbound side, right? Raising your awareness with people who don't know about you, making people come to your site and donate to a cause or to your mission. And then you have your social proof piece. And that's when someone lands on your site or your social media channel or whatever, and they see that you've been featured in the New York Times. So they may have come from someplace else. They may have come from your local paper or from a trade. But that fact that you've been featured in that high-level outlet, that says to them that you have something important to say. It's sort of like the pay attention uh, moment sometimes on your presence. So I would say there's sort of that balance that you have to strike, but the niches in terms of finding the right audience for your message and driving your mission forward, a lot of times that's really figuring that out is so important. I love that. And I reflected on that when I read it on your blog and I just found it to be so true as I thought back in terms of my own career before I was a consultant, when I was an executive director. And I remember in 2010 as an executive director, being on the cover, and my organization was on the cover as well, of the Chronicle of Philanthropy for something good. Got to say, for something good. But the benefit to that, the audience for that niche is really other nonprofits and foundations. So our foundation funders were super impressed we were on the Chronicle of Philanthropy. Our major donors couldn't give two flicks that we were on the Chronicle of Philanthropy because they don't understand that that's an important media for the nonprofit sector. But if we were in the Atlanta Journal and Constitution or the Philadelphia Inquirer and another job, our major donors would look at that and go, oh my gosh, they made it into the Philadelphia Inquirer. Exactly. You're spot on. And it's really important to have that higher level, multi-faceted view on it too. So think about what the different audiences will need. And that includes internal, that includes your staff. Like what makes them feel good? Does it make them feel good to have the work you're doing talked about in local or regional media so that, you know, they can share that with their friends in a way that matters and their family. There are so many facets that media relations can fulfill. So it's just important to sit down and think about, okay, what are our goals? Just like you would with any other campaign. What are our goals? Who are our target audiences? And then from there, you figure out how can you sort of get those placements that are going to speak to those audiences? And what will you say, by the way, is really important when you get there? So what is your chronicle of philanthropy discussion is a much different discussion than what you might have in um, up in Boston, in the Boston Globe, for example. It's really important to think about what you're going to say so it works, those messages work. So... Let's unpack that, Kristen. How do organizations figure out what they're going to say? And obviously, part of it is driven based on what the media said the conversation is going to be about. So if the reporter says, oh, we're going to talk about funding crisis among nonprofits, or, oh, we're going to talk about increased demand at your shelter because of the pandemic and the recession, 
So obviously that's going to drive it. But how do you figure out what you're going to say? First of all, there's the inbound media inquiries, which is kind of what you're talking about right now. They'll get an inquiry from an opinion writer about you know wealth and equity or something like that. So that sort of is going to drive the conversation. And then the other is what you're sending out, right? So what you're pitching, your point of view, trying to get that out there. Let's start with the inbound ones first, because even if the reporter is telling you, this is what I want to talk about, messaging it for your organization is super important. And I don't mean that in a sleazy way. My biggest thing is be helpful. These guys have 20 minutes to talk to you. They need someone who's really amazing, who can, you know, give them the insight and the quote they need for their story. They do not need a promotional quote. It won't make it in. You wasted everyone's time and they won't call you next time. Okay. So you really want to think about how can you be helpful while also advancing your mission? What do you have to say? And sometimes a reporter isn't quite understanding what you do or your niche or what you might be able to speak to. So I always try to work with clients to say, all right, here's what they want to talk about you know, this is really what you have to say. How are we going to make this meet in between? And when she asks you about X, you know, maybe you can make the case for Y. You can say, it's really important that we talk about that. But, you know, the foundation of that issue is this thing that we work on. And so that's sometimes how you take those sometimes off-topic pitches you have inbound where you're like, I don't know if we can speak to this and come up with a way to get your organization and your point of view in there. Um, So that's the first thing. Just sit there. If it's an inbound, it's kind of a straightforward thing. Got a quick question on that. Is it appropriate with the media in that situation to plant seeds for future articles? And so, for example, if you're having a conversation with a reporter now around the recession to say, hey, if around the holidays you're looking for a real client story that's a feature story, reach out to us because we might be able to help you. It is super appropriate to do that, especially if you're being helpful. I always follow up if I have a client that does data or puts out reports, I will follow up for them with the reporters later on, refer to the fact that they've spoken with the executive director before. My favorite thing is when the reporters start reaching out to the staff, you know, the spokespeople on their own. They usually loop me in, so I know I'm not pitching them at the same time, but that's amazing. That's the goal. A lot of PR people are possessive about those relationships. I hope that the reporter is going to call you or email you um, because that says to me that we've made some momentum with this and you're being looked at as an expert in this. That's success in my opinion is when they reach directly out to you and say, hey, I thought of you because I'm doing a story on this. Do you have anything to say? And that's perfect. So yeah, it's totally appropriate to, to reach out to them and keep in touch whenever you have something to say. Just ping them a quick couple sentences is perfect. And is it appropriate at that same time then to say to the reporter, let me give you my cell phone number and let me give you my personal email in case you need to reach me on the weekend? Absolutely. I mean, I would advise talking to your PR if you have a PR agency or consultant. Everybody works a little differently. And I personally always just ask if you are working with that outside consultant, just keep me looped in because we all want to be on the same page. I don't want to be saying one thing and you're calling them saying something else. It's awkward. you know. And, and I think there are some people within organizations that are more able to speak off the cuff if they get a phone call on a Sunday night and others that maybe I would say, you know, like, let's give it the night and think about what we're going to say in the morning. So if you are working with a consultant or you have someone on staff who manages media relations, I would just get on the same page. But from the reporter point of view, I mean, they, I think that's totally appropriate for them. It's just really an internal decision of how off the cuff you want to be. And everyone has different comfort levels with that. Got it. And that certainly seems fair. If you're working with a professional, make sure the professional knows what you're doing. So they can help you. (laughs) Exactly. And I would also say, you know, going into these interviews, do your research on the reporter. 
again, this is from a consultant point of view, but you can easily do this internally. Compile, take a look at the things they've written, take a look at their bio. Where are they coming from? You may be surprised that they write certain types of stories and just that is their mindset. That's what they're coming, that's the knowledge they're coming in with. Um, so you can take that into account to make sure that your messaging is on point. And I always suggest that people write out a couple of talking points that they want to get across in the interview. Um, and part of that is about, you know, once you get into a conversation, you tend to forget or go off topic. The other important thing to remember is that most likely, not in every case, the reporter is interviewing several people about this. And you're going to have a bunch of people say a bunch of basic things. And then you're going to get at the end of the interview in the last 30 seconds to the real thing that you have to say that's different. You need to start with that. So she's already got the basics. She's got the background. You don't need to say the same thing five other guys said that you can Google. Don't say that. Don't explain it. Be quick. Move on. And then get to the stuff that's going to get your organization, like what is it that you guys have to say that's different? That's also how you're going to get quoted. A lot of times I see people's quotes getting cut because they really don't say something that was unique or different. And they already had somebody else saying it, maybe somebody more qualified to say it. And that's the quote they're going to use. I love that. Get early on in your interview or conversation, get to the most important stuff. Totally love that. So I know we sort of started with inbound, which is when reporters, the media reach out to you or your organization. I have a feeling we're about to talk about outbound, which is where you reach out to reporters and the media. Before we do, though, I want to ask, what's your opinion about Harrow? And I'd be willing to bet a lot of our listeners don't know about Harrow. So if you also want to say what that stands for and then give your opinion on it, I would love to know more. Absolutely. So Harrow is, it's help a reporter out. It's a free service you can sign up for. If you Google it, I'm not sure the exact website, but it's a free service you can sign up for. And you get essentially three times a day, a list of outbound inquiries on, you know, various topics. So it's categorized and it's reporters saying, Hey, I'm doing a story on X and I'm looking for the following sources. And you can reply to those can give your pitch essentially. So it's, it helps you get into a story that you might not know is otherwise happening. I find that they tend to get hammered with pitches. Um, you know, they are putting up, I have no idea how many people are on this list, but they get a ton of responses. I have had success getting placements on them, but I more look at Harrow as a way to possibly identify trends or people that we should be pitching or story ideas. Rather than trying to pitch every single one, you will spend your whole day answering those pitches. I'll look and I'll say, ooh, this person is writing about this topic. That's not exactly what we're talking about here, but I bet they might be interested in a pitch on this other topic. And so that helps me to kind of figure out new sources to pitch. And I always say pitching is an art and a science. It's a little bit about, you know, numbers and finding the right people for your beat and all this stuff but it's also about tracking and finding the person who has almost written about the thing that you're talking about, but hasn't yet. Because if they already did, it's too late. <laughs> but there is kind of like you eventually learn like, oh, they're talking about this. And the next thing they're going to talk about is going to be this thing. And they're going to be interested in it. So I, this is when I want to pitch them. In the intro, Kristen, I said that you're one of the premier thought leaders in PR and public relations and marketing. You really just underscored that as a fact because most people use Hero as a response mechanism and not as a strategy mechanism. And that really shows that you are working at a much more elevated and higher level. Super impressive. Really impressive. 
Thank you. Yeah. It's a lot of, you know, learning it over the years, but it's, you know, as you do it, you like anyone else, right. You're going to learn things that are worth your time and things that are not worth your time. Tarot is just one way to track what people are writing about. Just do Google alerts, follow people on Twitter, create like a list on Twitter of reporters in your, whatever your interest area is. You know, there, there's a lot of information about interact with them, comment on them, retweet them. Great. But you really just want to track them. You want to know who's writing about what, because like as a PR consultant, the worst, most sinking feeling, and it happens is when a story comes out and your client's not in it and they should have been, it's like the, it's the worst day ruiner right there. So by keeping an eye on what's going on, it reduces and you can't eliminate, but it reduces the chance that that's going to happen. And it usually happens because the reporter didn't even know you existed. And that's not a good, good place to be. I got to stop for a second because you just dropped an actionable tip and I need to make sure that all of our listeners, especially those that are doing DIY marketing, heard that tip, which is identify the reporters that are writing, producing in your niche and then follow them on Twitter so that you know what they're interested in and what they're working on. Love that. Yes. And use a list so that you can click on the list and see just them. Never thought about that. Also, really good idea. Super impressive. I want to make sure we have an opportunity to talk about outbound because I have a feeling that that's the, probably one of the most productive ways that nonprofits can really be getting media attention. Yeah. So outbound media is what most people hire me for. And that's usually where most people have to start. If you don't have a lot of presence yet, or you have something you want to say, um, you know, reporters don't know that. So that's where the outbound piece comes. So that's all about that first thing we talked about, figuring your target audience and your niche and your message to that niche. And then the next step is really figuring out what are you going to pitch to them? This can be such a huge range for nonprofits. It could be case studies. It could be expert discussions with your executive director or other members of your staff. It could be, you know, an amazing fundraising campaign that you want covered in local news. There's so many ways, data, statistics, reports, there's so many ways to get that coverage. So it's all about figuring out what it is you guys want to get covered. And then what are reporters writing about? I will be very honest with people and I'll say, I, I know you want it covered, but if we pitch it like that, it's not going to happen. Like Nobody wants to hear that. So let's think about what things they are interested in and how we can work these stats, these numbers into those bigger pitches. So, you know, there's so much going on with COVID right now around wealth inequity and the racial wealth gap and all those other things. So you may have some relatively generic studies going on or some local initiatives you're doing that tie into that. And so it's all about figuring out like, how can we make this really matter for people? It's a really tough media environment right now because of what's happening. So it's very loud. A lot of reporters can't really write about anything that's not related to the current administration or the, or the current health crisis or Black Lives Matter movement, racial inequity, et cetera. So you really need to get tied into those somehow. And you need to think of an authentic, helpful way to tie in. So you don't want to be exploitative. If you don't have anything to say, just don't. Just don't say it. <laughs> um, but that's also where those trades can come in. Sometimes those will save you in terms of if it's a more niche publication or more local or trade publication, they're a little less tied to this big national conversation. So you can maybe be, have more flexibility with them. But you need to figure out what you're going to say. You need to figure out who you're going to pitch, who you're going to reach out to. Um, you want short, simple pitches, right? My goal is to get them to say, yes, I'm interested. That's it. I don't need to give them everybody's life story. I don't need to give them the full report. Just the, yes, I'm interested, send me the report. 
put me on the phone with so-and-so. So I always remind people like two paragraphs is plenty. Uh, maybe a couple bullet points if you have some interesting points to put in. Give them an idea of what you're going to say, what your position is, so that they understand who they're interviewing and how it's going to fit into the overall story. Give them, if you're experts at your organization, give them a little so-and-so is an expert because type statement, right? So what's their background? How long have they been doing this? Just make them understand why you're a person that they want to talk to for stories that they're currently covering or for a story that they should be covering or profile of you or something that they aren't covering yet. So it's really, it's a little bit, you know, of a mishmash of strategy. I want to understand this from the other side of the fence as well, from the reporter side. And you're uniquely qualified because you were a beat reporter. So some of the things I heard you say were a couple paragraphs is plenty, bullet points are good. So describe this from the beat reporter's perspective. How much time do they have to vet a source and decide I want to talk to them, I don't want to talk to them? And then how much time do they have to actually prepare for that interview and do the interview? Sure. So I worked when I was younger at a local mid-sized city paper. And just to give you some sense of perspective, I was responsible for two stories a day, every day, which included sourcing them, interviews, and writing everything. So (laughs) that's a lot. (laughs) That's a lot. And a lot of people now are not responsible. It's even worse now because that was in 07, where it wasn't quite as digitally quick. So they're, you know, reporters, sometimes, sometimes they're writing a month out. Sometimes they're writing for like an hour out. I once had 20 minutes to get someone on the phone with the New York Times. And I did, we did it. So it's just about really figuring out like what the report, my first question was like, what's your, your deadline? But the reporter is getting a ton of inbounds every day. Your subject line is super important. So I'll put expert topic and the person's name in the subject line so that they know what, what, why open it. It might not be the right thing for them that day. I've had people come back to me after six months and say, Hey, I saved your email. Um, can I talk to so-and-so? So it's totally worth reaching out. If you, even if you're like, this might not be perfect right now, keep it short. They're getting a ton of them. I use bold and underline to highlight a couple of things that they're just scanning. So a lot of times if they're writing on something and your pitch is not directly related to it that day, and um, they're just going to ignore it. Don't be hurt. I don't, as a reporter, I used to not reply. I, as a PR person, have a very, you know, no ego. If they're not interested, they just don't reply most of the time. And it's not insulting. They just, they would spend half their day saying no thing. Really, as a reporter, you're just getting a ton of stuff. So make it super easy for them. Put links in. Do not make attachments. It'll get caught by their spam filters. Um, Just put a link in there to anything they need that they might want to look at further. Um, Do a follow-up, depending on the timeliness of it, after two hours, if it's something that is like breaking news, or after two days or two weeks, depending on the style of the story. They are totally open to getting that follow-up and the ping and the check-in. Are you still interested? Would you be interested? But as a reporter, the information is just flowing in all day. So you just have to make it really clear for them what you're pitching. And do not call unless they ask. So definitely good to know and good to understand that from the perspective of the media. Mm -hmm. The last thing I was really hoping we would talk about is, and you've already mentioned this, that Right now, organizations have to be looking to capitalize on the current events of the day. And you hear this all the time, and I hear this all the time from nonprofits. I don't really do media consulting, but I still hear it all the time. Well, we just want the media to cover the fact that we served 10,000 people last year, and that's important. But that's not really a news story. So how do nonprofits position themselves to capitalize on the current events of the day? So in your example, where someone served 10,000 people last year, you know something about those 10,000 people, right? So if you're talking about, for example, a 
um, social services organization that are serving lower income people. You know where they were at before COVID hit and the economic crisis that we have right now happened. You might know something about where they're at now. So maybe a reporter is not particularly interested in the 10,000 people story, but they might be interested in you saying, so-and-so can speak to you about you know what they saw with the 10,000 people they served last year, what their biggest challenges were, what data we have on it, and what the new challenges are in 2020. Okay, that still gets your organization's messages out. You still get to say you served 10,000 people last year and you made an impact, but now you're giving them something useful that they can actually use. I love that. And also, if you've seen an increase in needs, you can say, we served 10,000 people last year. We're on target to serve 13,000 this year. That's a 30% increase. And here's what that 30% increase looks like. Love that. You are 100% right. And if you start thinking that way, you're way more helpful for the reporters and you don't feel like you're being sleazy or capitalizing when you are helpful. And I think that's a major thing. People get, especially nonprofit leaders, they don't want to be egotistical or say they're so, you know, brag about themselves, much different than startups that I work with in terms of the ego and the, you know, willingness to go out on limbs. And so if you're looking at it from the mindset of, I'm going to be helpful, this is a story that's important for people to know about. And it's good data for the reporter. It's good insight for the reporter to have. It feels better to do that outreach than it does to just feel self-promotional, especially when there's so many other things going on. Wow. That's awesome. Kristen, we've got to save time for the off the map question. You and I could chat about this for another 30 minutes, and I know that we could, so we're going to have to have you back on. But i got to move over to the off the map question. And the off the map question isn't actually that far off the map. You are a beat reporter, as you said, in a, a mid-size region's publication. Here's my question for you. If you could just pick one story as the most powerful story, most memorable story that you worked on, which one stands out for you? That's a great question. So it was actually one of my first stories that I wrote uh, right at the paper. And it was a small story. And I, you know, all the details a little bit escaped me. It was about a, a little boy who had, I think, lost like his leg underneath his knee. And they were maybe doing some fundraising. It was one of those local interest stories. And I just remember as a reporter writing the story, you know, doing my job, my first couple of days, getting it out there, got the photo, whatever I needed. And the mom like called me crying that in a good way that, you know, the response they were getting from the community and how this, you know, had helped her son. And it just reminded me of the impact that journalism really can have. And I may be on the other side now, but I am such a believer in the power of journalism for so many things, but people forget how much it matters to have their stories told. And that's how I look at the clients I work with. But that first story just stuck with me. And I always thought about like just honoring the, the stories I was telling, good and bad, just making sure that, you know, they, their story was like kind of recorded there and being respectful of that. And I think that's just taught me so much. Like as I've gone on personally, I don't know if it's the most powerful story this, the paper's ever run, but for me, it just, it sticks with me like, you know, 13 years later. I love that. And I think it really also speaks to the fact that media, whether you're writing it or you're consuming it, is so personal. So I'm sure for there's some other people out there, not just that family, where 13 years later, that's the story they remember and they tell people about. 
100%. And my husband and I always have the argument over journalistic integrity and, and uh, you know, being objective. And I said, in the end, like somebody is writing the story. There is a human behind, <laughs> you know, we, we have ethical standards, but there's somebody that has to put the words on the page, it's not a robot. So, you know, you have to, as a journalist, I think you have to keep that in mind. But um, yeah, it, it's just, it can be so powerful and it can be powerful for the people that have the chance to be featured as well. So just thinking about you know, the power that you can have, like getting your word out to all of those people. I just think it's, that's why I do what I do. I just love it. Well, Kristen, I am so grateful that you have come on the podcast to share with our listeners how they can get media ready. The fall is a big time for nonprofits to be approaching the media. I think this will probably release sometime in October or November. And so I know you've dropped some actionable tips that our listeners are going to be able to use. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. I have to make sure that listeners know how to get a hold of you and also how to get to your blog. And so your URL is sevenhillscommunications.com. And listeners, if you go there, the very first place you should go is the blog, especially if you are still doing the do-it-yourself PR and marketing Her blog has so many great articles that will help you. And there's one specific one we're going to link to at our show notes. And it's how to prepare for a press interview. In my intro, I kind of said that as an executive director, the training that I received, which was informal, off-the-cuff training from some board members, was probably not the best training in preparing for an interview. I learned it the hard way in that I made a lot of mistakes and I was like, oh, I shouldn't do that again. I better prepare differently next time. So please, please don't learn this the hard way. Go to Kristen's blog at sevenhillscommunications.com. And again, we're going to link to that specific blog post. But once you're at her website, there's something else that you should really do. And that is click on the contact link because Kristen has made an incredible offer. She is going to give a 30-minute strategy conversation to any listener that reaches out, even if you are not at a point where you are ready to hire a communications or PR professional. So make sure you reach out. This is a great opportunity to run some ideas by a pro who has been on both sides of the fence, someone who pitches and someone who receives those pitches. So make sure you go to sevenhillscommunications.com after you check out the blog. And by the way, once you do, you're going to be super impressed and you're going to know even more that you've got to click the contact link. Hey, Kristen, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun and a great way to start the day. <laughs> I've had so much fun talking about all this. It's just like one of those things that you nerd out to when you do this. So I really appreciate all the insightful questions. It's been, it's been awesome. Thank you. Hey, Kristen, thank you. And listeners, if you were so busy researching the niche publications that you need to be pitching to, because remember, the best pitches are in the niches. So if you were so busy doing that, don't worry about it. If you could not remember or did not write down sevenhillscommunications.com, just head over to our show notes at successfulnonprofits.com. And you know that we are going to link to the blog post I mentioned, to Kristen's website, and we may also link to Harrow and a couple other things that we mentioned in our episode today. Also, just want to remind you, don't forget Starting in January, we've got a coaching group for executive directors. It's coaching for tough times. If you are looking at your 2021 budget and scratching your head and going, oh, how are we going to make all this work and keep our staff happy and our board feeling good and, frankly, serving everyone who we say we're supposed to be serving, you should absolutely register for our coaching for tough times. It's multiple weeks, curriculum-based. Make sure you check it out at SuccessfulNonprofits.com.
couple more things I want to just share with you. I recently discovered, primarily because my good friend and also podcast guest, Abra Annis, has shared this with me, that if you have an iPhone, you can just open up your iPhone and say, hey, Siri, subscribe to the Successful Nonprofits Podcast. I don't have an iPhone, so I tried it on Droid with OK Google. That works too. So if you're not yet subscribed, just say, hey, Siri, hey, Google, hey, Alexa, subscribe to the Successful Nonprofits Podcast. It could not be easier. So go ahead and do that as well. Finally, if you liked this episode and you got a lot from it, I would suggest that you check out episode 55 with Chantel Cleef, Grow Your Organization Social Media. I would also recommend that you check out episode 88, Media Relations with Antoinette Care. So if you got a lot out of this conversation with Kristen, go back a couple years and check out these episodes. That, listeners, is our show for this week. I hope you have gained some insight to help your nonprofit thrive in a competitive environment. I am not an accountant or attorney, and neither I nor the Goldberg Group provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. This material has been provided for informational purposes only, is not intended to provide, and should not be relied on for tax, legal, or accounting advice. Always consult a qualified, licensed professional about such matters.